It's the Tiltcast, episode 567, Wimp in the Dark. And this week, guys, we talk more Diablo 4. I'm scared. More Starfield. Very scared. Alan Wake 2. Seven Days to Die. And The Lies of P. Stay tuned. I'm a wuss. I'm sorry, guys. And we're back. We are the Tiltcast. It's an M-rated show. It is December 1st at 7.25 p.m. and a balmy uh, 40 degrees. I'm Justin. I'm Jason. There is no Rusty. Um, Together, we're going to give you, who knows the amount of time of bullshit. Bullshit. Uh, Some games and some news. Yeah, Rusty's got the vid. So, he's out. He's out. On one hand, poor Rusty. On the other hand, keep it up north. Right. Benefits of recording the show remotely is that shit ain't going around. Obviously, he. there's no way he was going to be recording tonight. Yeah, no. Or even the next few days as he his lungs come back to normalcy. But so he, he was still running over a hundred fever today, so who knows? Yeah, he's had it since early this week. Ugh. So I was listening to the older episodes, right? Like we've been kind of pacing it. It being the holiday season, there's just so much going on. We'll let you guys know. Like you see what Spotify plays? We don't get paid. <laughs> you have to be yeah. You have to have enough to get paid. We we don't have enough lessons to get paid yet. Um, so there's that. Um, which also means that we have a schedule. We don't have a schedule. We do this for fun. Um, you guys are our outlet. Correct. So for all of you randos on the internet, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Um, but yeah, that's not a. We're not in that kind of position. May never yeah. be in that position. I don't even know if I care yeah. or not. But well, we're, uh, I mean, we we certainly care, and we certainly, you know, several years ago, we're, we're thinking about whether or not we can push this a lot further. But we lost guys. All of us got pretty, uh, within a rather short amount of time last few years, all of us got pretty cushy with our job positions. Of course, I got, um, super busy with the with the kid with taking on three kids and you know yeah and for family and Rusty uh, ended up was working overnights for a while and then he's been in a big transition of resettling next to family over what about a thousand miles away now right yep so we are we are like the most real guy podcast you can yeah. We're you can find when it comes to real life. Um, you know, this isn't our jobs. We do this for fun, but we also we also know that for whatever reason, there are a couple thousand of you that that appreciate our opinion and just know we appreciate you. Yeah, we definitely do. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been pretty nuts, and now we're getting into into the holidays uh 
Yeah, I'll be out of town next weekend, so we've got one more recording this year. And we'll definitely have a bye week because both holidays fall on the weekend. That's when we record. It's either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, typically. Um, whatever yep. ends up when whatever ends up working the best between the three of us. But uh, yeah, I've got I've got ideas. If we can all settle on a schedule of doing some things, it would be a little extra that I might have the time for now. I mean, on top of that too, like I guess you guys don't know this that much. I mean, I talk about taking photos. Like I went from kind of being figuring out if I wanted to do that again or not to finding out that people like my work and uh, pay me for it. And I started working for tips and now I've got um, full on payment going on. So it's uh yeah, I get just the last weekend I was taking photos, taking photos for one band. The guys that are in the local scene know who I am now. And another band's like, hey, can you warm up with us? He's like, here's 50 bucks. Like, just take a couple shots of everybody while you warm up and give them to us. I was like, you know what? Why not? I mean, it was not a crazy amount of work, and I was just getting in my groove. Like, if you take photos, you know, you got to kind of figure out what your lighting's like and when you're doing uh, stuff in a dark venue. So... Warmed up, got some photos, got cash money right there in hand. Same thing with the other band. Um, I'm in a place right now where I just don't do free stuff anymore. Don't have to. Nice. So, yeah. Um, we're going to pause for just a minute, guys, and we'll be right back. Yep. Well, it sounded like uh, Jason's microphone was starting to crap out, guys, and... Uh, we started playing settings, and it sounded like Jason went to hell. Like, hey, literal hell. Yeah, you know, it's weird. Depending on uh, whatever update Discord does or Logitech does for the Blue software, whatever, uh, they always tend to... Something always tends to change whatever. So I had to kill the physical gain on the microphone and just rely on software only, which yeah. is nuts. It uh, it got so bad while we were playing with it that it just about killed my ears. And uh, I was trying to, I didn't even know what to compare it to. I was like, Jason, you just went to hell. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it was It was bad. It sounded like something out of like Doom or something. Or Silent Hill, like maybe Silent Hill was better. Go kill me some demons. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But, yeah. So, again, just another thing that's kind of been crazy for us this year. It seems like uh, we've, both Rusty and I have had more issues with, uh, with our remote equipment this year than than we had the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, stuff's just been crazy, both in personal lives and work this year. And we promised to get more back on track, guys. But hey, you know what? You never know what life's going to throw at you. Yeah, you guys are just lucky we've been doing this for uh, since like 2011. Yeah. It, more or less, at least every two weeks we've recorded since 2011. We're on 567 right now. 567 yeah. episodes. There's like... 2,000 plus hours of podcast, if you're curious. Um, it goes way back, and, and I all of it's still hosted on the server. 
and a whole lot of it there talking about games that nobody else talked about. That is correct. In fact, that's kind of like, like I've been busy with photos, band photos, landscape photos, um, been busy with, I've got a project for Trent. He's got a, a lo-fi project that him and John Musum are working on. I'm not at liberty to discuss the name or anything because they're just still working on it, but I'm working on all their album art right now. Um, I've went to three different shows out of town in the last two weeks. Um, we obviously just had Thanksgiving, right? Like that was just last week. Um, been a busy month, man. And uh, all the games I'm supposed to complete, like just haven't. Games that are on everybody's game of the year bullshit like probably not going to be my list in fact my list is so drat the only thing i think that everybody has in common is that Baldur's gate is just good and uh we agree right so it's not hyperbolic to say that Baldur's gate was good it's fantastic we've all beat it everybody around the world seems to have beat it at this point we did a spoiler cast on it like it was witcher 3 good and uh that was the highest quality release this year like by a country mile you know uh, there's just nothing that touched Baldur's Gate 3. So, I, yeah, there's, I mean, as good as, uh, as good as Starfield is, I mean, I'm still really slow playing it, mostly because uh, uh, since Thanksgiving, I've been, uh, you've got it, you've got to work tonight at work. You've got to work tonight. Like we were even discussing logistics yeah. and you're like, oh yeah, well there's this thing. I'm going to make an extra hundred bucks if I go do this thing and it's going to happen between 1030 and 1130. So like, I know you're busy. We, uh, yeah. I will say though, um, I've beat some games since we talked last. So I guess how, I'll to start with you because you still, I haven't played Starfield in a minute and I finally deleted it off my hard drive until there's a major update. Um, how far are you right now? I've only I've only got a couple more hours in. I'm like barely fifteen hours into that have, game. Have you? I have a ton of game in there. Have you even rebuilt your space chevette? Yes, that was the last thing I did. Uh, was I finally got the uh, um the perk point available to at least be able to do a class D? Oh yeah, just. Um, yeah, it goes back. It goes backwards. It's A. I think it's A B C is what you got. So maybe you oh, got the perk right. point B. to go to B B class. Class B. Yeah, that's what it was. Um. So you know, I start. I play around with that. I'm not. I'm still not quite happy with the ship yet. Still got a little bit of playing to do. But I mean, it's like space Legos. Did you? Are you playing on PC or on your Xbox? No, on PC. One thing I recommend is it. Are you playing on your controller or on your mouse and keyboard in general? On my mouse and keyboard in okay. general. Okay, I was going to say I would play on controller when I was playing the game, and then when I do ship builder, I'd switch to mouse and keyboard because it was a lot more convenient to do stuff. Yeah, like, like I once play you with the mouse and keyboard until I'm up in space, and then I'll switch to the controller because it's easier to fly with the controller. It's way easier to do. Honestly, the ship controls are not that bad. I do like this. I like the uh, the way you can cut your engines and straight. Well, you don't have an unlock that yet, but 
a certain point, you'll unlock a perk point with piloting where you can like space strafe, and I think you hold the bumper, and that uses your thruster, so you can like strafe and uh, I don't know what you call like power slide around stuff, basically, and then flip yourself around backwards to shoot while things are chasing you. This and yeah. the 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 flying, and it's not bad. I just I actually that's you know it's a complaint I have is I wish there was a little bit more of that because I felt like the bones of that were actually pretty good. And I would put myself in positions getting bounty missions so that I could go destroy space pirates. Uh, just because I yeah, built a pretty I, good ship. I can agree. I do feel like they didn't put quite the amount of emphasis on the flying as they should have. It's um, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of issues. The the thing about Starfield to me is with all of its warts, um, it's literally one of the biggest sandboxes out there. One thing that you'll run into is as you go to different planets and explore points of interest, um, they reuse those points of interest on every planet. And at, there's a finite amount of them, right? So let's just say there's a collection of a hundred different points of interest, meaning like those types of structures. You've played it over a hundred hours. You run into duplicates, right? Like I've run into the same building type, like probably 10 times at this point, because I've explored a lot. Um, and I, I'd like to see either a mod that changes that or a uh, just better implementation of that, the next major patch or DLC they do to fix that stuff. Um, but there's no sandbox that's that big ever um, that's got unique points of interest. Like you could say No Man's Sky, but you're just talking about pre-gen terrain and uh, the same space launch pads over and over again. Like it does the same thing with that more or less, right? Um, the structures, oh, yeah. the fact, structures in No Man's was... Sky are like there's like five spaceports, um, yeah. and the same like handful of ships kind of cobbled together. Well, that's what that's what I would say that so far. I mean, I've been to like, despite only being a few hours in, I've already been to like four different planets, and I, you know, if. If the same for the first four planets that your quest lines naturally lead you to, Justin, are any indication of the differences in the biomes, I gotta say that as samey as some of the points of interest might get, at least they did the biomes a are pretty really diverse. good job of changing up textures and stuff. Yeah, the uh, actual like ground texture work and all of that stuff is done pretty well, honestly. Uh, and I feel like that's where this actually has a leg up over No Man's Sky. Um, it's that was that was part of the reason I just quit playing it was every almost every time I landed on a planet, it was like, oh, same thing, different colors. That that's all it felt like to me. It just there's. No Man's Sky just has a whole lot less emphasis on combat and space combat. And space combat is like you got like two different guns and a couple of different missiles, right? Um, and the customization on the ships is limiting, right? Like you can upgrade the parts that are on there, but you can't change the layout or look of your ship. It's always going to be a sink. Uh, until you get to the big frigates, right? Like it's always going to be just a little, little fighter jet um, or single seater like cargo jet or whatever, right? Um, but 
what I'm getting at is like there there is some fatigue that happens in No Man's Sky after you've done the story. Like it feels like, yeah, you could do more, but do you want to? But to be fair, if you kind of mix doing the Radiant Quest with the main quest, really the fact that it's the Constellation Quest plus the Faction Quest, your main drivers that get you to these other points of interest. And then there's some Radiant Quests that are randomized and there's some like side quests that are not that are just you kind of happen on it right like you'll get way out in space and there's this whole whole other like space opera way out in the depths of space that i've ran into there's some nods to alien in a couple of places there's a lot of little nods to a whole bunch of different things all over the place um and then there is the basic like random radiant quest that's just kind of scripted in that'll give you one of a few objectives go rescue this person um, you can work for a lot of the different companies too. Like you can work for Galbank, and you uh, you're a uh, debt collector for Galbank, and sometimes that's talking your way through something to get somebody to pay up, or like shooting a guy that didn't pay their debts. Um, yep, I've already done a couple of those quests. Those are kind of fun. Um, there's a lot to and, do. Like this and, is going to keep you busy, like all the way into next month, probably. Yeah. Well, and the cool thing about the Galbank quests, I thought. They leave it up to you whether or not you, for the most part, whether or not uh, um, you settled the debt in blood or not. I only had one that said I failed because I shot the dude, so I loaded an earlier save. Went back and tried talking to him for it. But yeah, there's... there's it, some of the freedoms it gives you are pretty, pretty nice. It does a good thing of being a sandbox space RPG. With enough freedom, like the outer worlds, you had a spaceship, which was your base that you just traveled place to place with. It was literally just a, you know, you didn't really decorate it, right? You just had a ship that you got in, you took off, you kind of flew it to the next point, and then you started your set of quests on a planet. And it was neat, but most of the emphasis was the RPG on the planet, very little on the ship. And they try to do a little bit more in this game of focusing on the fact that you have the ability to fly and fight in space. And, you know, you'll find like the dungeons in this game kind of go and do a lot of different, it's points of interest on planets. It's caves on planets. It's the dead space stations or very much alive space stations that you run into in different um, galaxies. Um, and then the stuff that the quests send you through, like there's a whole quest it takes you through a crazy prison in a on a planet that's really cool. And a lot of that stuff's pretty neat, but it's just it's a little bit spread out in ways with the space stuff that's kind of spread out. They need to do a little bit more with the uh give a little bit more in the way of like the job portions of the game, meaning like a better reason to have a base other than get unlimited materials like if you could find a way to turn that into a trading thing or be a space trucker that would be kind of neat to kind of satiate that lust that some of us have left over from things like elite dangerous right and then flesh out the exploration to be a little bit more interesting in the way that um no man's sky is and uh yeah i think add a few more quests honestly a few more like main story quests would be great some more npcs for you to having your crew besides the rate you can pick up people at bars if you want to but they don't really have much of a backstory so adding more of those types of npcs would be good but like it's a pretty solid game that gets a lot of hate because bethesda for one reason or another has just been 
not very well liked for a very long time. And there is a lot of press that's been really on. Like, I know you get more views if you say something negative, and I feel like that bandwagon has been really pulled out a lot. Like, everybody points to every time the player count changes on Steam. Like, oh, it's lower than 76. Well, okay. Well, um, yeah, but... Okay, I'm gonna... I'm gonna say something here. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't just internet trolls to Bethesda because they like to they like to jump it's, it's on a, the negative bandwagon because there are. It's also not released time, on PlayStation is the other thing, too. Yeah, it's not released on PlayStation, so that's a thing. And then, you know, they kind of, Bethesda kind of invited it themselves because they will, for lack of a better term, for the gaming community at large, disappointed them with uh, Fallout 4's ending, and it not really having a whole lot of flexibility. You really only end up with one or one of three choices, oh, right. depending on on what what quests you complete. It was like the open ended, um, the Institute, and the Railroad, or was it like Brotherhood of yeah. Steel, the Institute, and Brotherhood? Railroad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's. It's. I haven't beat that um, since 2017. Uh, and then, uh, and then laying the big freaking stinker that Fallout 76 was for like the first year it was out. Oh, it was very I much mean, a C minus slash D tier game when it released. I remember playing it and just getting bored because it was too empty. And honestly, 76 isn't bad for an open-ended, like, sort of Destiny-style Fallout game. It's just not good enough to be Fallout, but better than a lot of other games, if that makes anything. Yeah, uh, now it is, because they've polished a ton of it. But, I mean, there for a very long time, it was just a stinker. So, I mean, they've kind of invited some of it themselves. Uh... I definitely think with even with the little bit I've played that Starfield's better than what a lot of people are making it out to be. Most of the uh, weird bugs have not happened to me on PC. uh, I would agree with that. I've not I've not run into I've actually not run into any bugs yet. So or at least any bugs that I noticed anyway. So I'll take that. I'll take that for a win. Um, I also realize I'm a Bethesda fanboy. I mean, and in a way, the podcast kind of is too. I mean, on 11 11 11, we had a podcast at a GameStop in support of Skyrim, and that was pretty shortly after we had started the show. Yeah. Um, again, that's how long we, we did this on opening night of. Skyrim, right? Um, we didn't get the same treatment for Fallout 4, but that was the next major release. And that was pretty well-received, but it was not It was no New Vegas. Actually, you know what? We've been doing this longer than 2011 because we talked about New Vegas, which came out in 2010, I think. So I'm pretty uh, sure... You, you and Trent started in 2010. Yeah. So at 13 years, and I don't even remember, I want to say it was September or August of 2010, but we were playing Fallout New Vegas and because we did a spoiler cast for that. Um, so, like, 
We've been doing this show for a long time. I've been on the Obsidian train. I really like original Fallout um, for a very long time. So uh, it's not that they don't do no wrong. Um, I realize that I'm a little bit of a a simp for some things Bethesda. There, there are certain things Bethesda does that just nobody else does. And all the creation engine gets a lot of shit, but there is literally not another engine out there right now, aside from voxel engines, that can keep track of item placement across multiple areas in a game so that you can interact with it. And of course, you know, that's just one of their things, right? Like even Skyrim was like that, right? Like you'd be an ultimate junk collector. You could collect all the candles or all the cheese wheels and put them in your hoard. Fallout's the same thing. They found a way to use that engine to help you use all of those things that you scavenge to make new things, whether it be structures for your base or for new guns, etc. And they're still doing that, right? I mean, although that's kind of an oversight with Starfield is that there's a lot of junk items you don't need um, that are just clutter. And that's something you'll get used to, like, should I loot this or not? Well, is it something you actually need or not? Because the junk doesn't sell for enough unless you're just super broke. Um, you get to a point where you have so much money, though, you don't even worry about that. You just pick up, like, named loot only or colored loot only. So it needs to be, like, a at least a green level item or higher before you even pick it up at a certain point. And otherwise, you just leave it on the ground. Um, ammo weighs nothing, so pick up all the ammo. But, yeah, you get to a point where, like, picking up too much stuff becomes a chore because then you can only sell so much at a time. Um, when you unlock it, Neon is the best place to sell stuff because there's literally a bench you can sit at. And in about three minutes, you can get, like, seven or eight shops to refresh your inventory, which is, like, about, I want to say it's, like, $40,000 worth of stuff that you can sell um, in a little strip mall, basically, in the middle of that town which is perfect. You just go end-to-end, sell on everything you got, and you can get rid of all of your loot really fast. But um, it'll be part of Game of the Year discussion. It's We've already said Baldur's Gate's Game of the Year. That's just a given. Um, I'm curious as to what we're going to do for 2 through 5, though. And that brings me to something else. So I mean, Starfield and Diablo 4 are definitely there. Diablo 4 has gotten a lot of hate. That's because Season 2 was trash. Well, um, Season 2 broke RNG on on several crucial abilities. Me and um, me and Rusty are not max level yet. I don't know what level he is now. But during the week of Thanksgiving, me and him played some Diablo a few nights. And it took me about a day. So the weekend before Thanksgiving, I started playing. And it took me all Saturday to get through all of the season, I guess it's season three. Is this this season two or season three? The last season was trash. This, this season's this good. Is, this is, no, this is season two. Okay. So season one was trash. But uh, season two is has to deal with a vampire outbreak. And if you've already played the story and beat it, which I think you've already done, right? Yes. Don't play the story again. Just play the seasonal content. Like, I've barely touched my side quests, and I'm, like, level 40. No, I'm level 65. Um, Literally just doing the vampire side content and uh, the stuff that I need to progress it. 
it has this like counter that shows, you know, like you need to do tree events to help progress towards the next level, which is the next level of tier unlocks. Um, it'll tell you to do some stuff for the vampire killing, which is another st- little side thing. Voice acting's not bad. The gameplay's good. You can you can feel powerful again. I'm playing a Twisted Blades Rogue, which I was strong before when you and Rusty were playing. It is strong again. It's I'm not using a lot of traps, though. I'm using the dual elemental, so my guy is elemental shadow for AoE and then poison for single target. And so I yep. just I just switch back and forth depending on what I'm finding, and it's really easy on a controller. In fact, it's downright relaxing, and he just destroys stuff. Like, I have not felt a melee character feel as powerful. And then he, he's got vampire powers, which gives me a lot of extra oomph um, to the flavor that I'm using. So, like, for example, I can drain every time I use an ability, I get like 1% health back. And because I'm using that Twisted Blades thing, it's literally it's basic, basic ability, basic, basic ability. Like, it's that fast. Um, just build up two or three combo points, use an ability, and then I'm already essentially draining back health. Um, and then I've got another vampire ability that builds up. When I get to extra health, it builds up a fortify on my character. And he's got high dodge. Like, And between Rusty's playing a... I was going to say Warlock, a Necromancer. And uh, between me and him, like everything we were going against would melt in less than 30 seconds. Every single boss. Um, there was some stuff at like level 60 where we're fighting like a level 72 monster out in the wilderness and me and him were taking it in like five minutes because our characters were just unkillable and high DPS. Um, we did, we started Nightmare at like level 48 or 47. No, I think you had to be 48 to even start it. But anyways, we started at the minimum tier and then worked our way through several Nightmare dungeons. I think at level 65, we were doing level 24 Nightmares. Uh, because we just got the Dang. the builds are broken right now in a good way, and they didn't nerf stuff. They just let you feel like a badass, and that's good. And it all like really synergizes with the new vampire skills. Like I can dash, and I blow up and do an AOE, and then I can use my evade and blow up and do an AOE, which is crazy. And it does, it scales with my damage and my crit. And so I've got a, my base crit's 48%. <laughs> so, and I do vulnerable. So like, it's, it's stupid. Um, it's just fun. It's fun again. Um, no problems with it so far. Like, I could just go back and play that. Well, it's good because Twisting Blades was one of the uh, skills that they overly nerfed in, uh, uh, in season one so yeah and i'm doing that aspect that you sound, can that aspect where they like orbit they, i was gonna say it sounds like they just moved it back to what it was on release i tried a bow rogue and it was nowhere near as good oh was, yeah no bow rogue's not good at all yeah and i've got a, several pieces of gear that do execute too so like and I've got lucky hit scaled way high. Like my lucky hits like twenty five percent. And when your attack speed's crazy, like that's all the time. Um, so like, yeah, it's 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 fun again. Um, the vampire stuff's corny. You just go into an area and you kill a bunch of guys and summon vampire lords and kill them. 
then summon a boss and the boss that you summon even on nightmare like me and rusty together can kill the boss in like under 30 seconds so that's why we're doing the really challenging nightmares and kind of scaling ourselves up so that we can get to torment um but i'll be playing that off and on the rest of this year like it's good we, we both said that uh poe um not pillars of eternity but uh Path of Exile 2, when it comes out, we'll switch to that. And I'll have him uh, do his scientific research to help me with figuring out what class to play. Um, But yeah, I'm supposed to be playing a couple of games, right? I say supposed to. I've gotten out of that mindset. I don't do that as much as I used to. Um, I play whatever I think is fun. Um, I've played a little bit of uh, Risk of Rain Returns, which is the first Risk of Rain, but kind of redone and retooled. Played a decent amount of that. I think I've got like five cleared runs of that so far. It's pretty fun. Um, supposed to be playing Alan Wake too. It's not that it's not good. Um, I'm been in a headspace where it's hard for me to put myself in a space where I can play a purely single player experience where I have to turn off all podcasts. I can't talk on the phone or on Discord or anything right now and focus on a game. And so I'm like five hours into Alan Wake 2. I plan on trying to beat it before the year's out. I have some time to do so. Just don't know when. <laughs> um, <laughs> we won't be doing Game of the Year till January. Anyway. Well, I mean, that game's also truly um, spooky, and we know what... Uh, oh, what a, what a pussy I am? You, what a pussy you are, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not into... I like some creepy... Alan Wake is exceptionally well designed though, and it's not just it's not just jump scares. Like it's got a good environment. It's not amnesia scary because you have a gun that you can use that is totally effective. Um, it's just the slow build of creep is very good in this game. The, uh, the like that, ambiance is excellent. I yeah, mean, I've wa I've been watching a a lot of video of it, and at the it the ambiance of it's even better than the first Alan Wake. Oh, I opinion. agree. Oh, and the it looks fantastic. They, I think they teased they're doing new game plus. Like maybe I'll have Trent on when we do game of the year because I know he's that's probably his game of the year, uh, if not Baldur's Gate. But um, Trent's already beat it and has just told me like how well the storytelling's done in the game. The storytelling's top notch. Without spoiling it too much, when you're playing as Alan Wake, you can kind of rewrite events in certain areas that you're in. And so, for instance, like I'm stuck at a dead end and I'm following these guys that are called like the Lamplighters or something like that. And I've got an option to change the story where I'm at. So, I'm at this train car. There's no apparent er exit. So, I start talking about the Lamplighters. And this is early enough in the game like it's, okay, minor spoiler. Skip ahead two minutes if you really don't want to hear this. But anyways, you get to this train car, and in the one storyline, they said dead end. Flip the storyline along to the lamplighters. Colors change. There's an opening that opens an area to the right. Now I can walk through and see more about what's going on in this area. And now the train is filled full of charred bodies. And honestly, that was spookier in my mind than even some of the stuff that was there because you're hearing the deaths of these people that got roasted alive in the subway train. And you see all of these, like, super screwed up looking bodies and the graphics are really good right and the sound design's excellent and the lighting's done excellent and so you're walking through this train car full of bodies and then you kind of emerge on the other side 
Um, and I know there's a couple of bosses that are kind of jump scare, but honestly, I don't think those are going to be what freaks me out. The shadows don't really freak me out either. Although I kind of go into like Rambo mode and think I've got to kill everything when I don't really like most of the time I can shine a light on it. And if it doesn't disappear, then I don't have to shoot it. Um, it's kind of survival horror, but like if you're super low on ammo, just search a box and then you'll probably find a few more bullets, which is kind of something I figured out. So it kind of does a little bit of RNG that way. If you're super low on supplies, you're going to find supplies if you search some boxes or lockers or whatever. Um, it ties in really well with uh, Control, and I'm really liking that aspect of it. Control's an excellent game. That's don't know why I put it off for so long. That ended up being one of my favorite games. But I just can't get in that headspace, right? Like, it's not a game. I have to give it 100% of my intention. And I can't give any game right now for the moment 100% of my intention. And so I just, I've put it aside for now. Um, I beat Liza P. Liza P is excellent. Liza P. about downloading it? Liza P is the, not, the best non-Dark Souls Dark Souls that I've ever played. Um... Thought it was going to be super dorky because you're playing as Pinocchio and it's a different take on Pinocchio. Um, it's not. If you're good at action games, this isn't as hard as Neo. Neo's harder. Um, it's not as hard as Dark Souls 1. I think it's easier than Elden Ring in places. It's definitely easier than Sekiro and Bloodborne. I want to say it's about Dark Souls 2 hard which I think is one of the easier Dark Souls. It uh, You can block, and it does the thing like Bloodborne does. If you block and it takes away some of your health, you can slash back, and as long as you're not hit, you gain that health back. The enemies can do the same thing. Um, It plays a lot different than Souls. So in Souls, the longer I got into Souls, I got really into, instead of sword and boarding everything, I got really into dodging and using a two-hander. And uh, parrying occasionally, but mostly just being able to dodge out of everything. Um, your dodge eats a lot of stamina in Liza P. It wants you to focus on parrying. And in fact, the very first boss essentially doesn't give you enough room to dodge. And which is why it took me a long time to figure out this. It wanted me to just parry everything. And I want to say you have about a third of a second to parry everything. Everything has a pretty long wind up, so it's pretty easy to see that something's coming. It's just kind of figuring out when it's going to about hit you and when you hit your parry. And every parry you do throws the enemy off balance a little bit until they get to where they're staggered. And then you'll see a little symbol where you can walk up to them and do a power attack and get some good damage off. Um, and that's what it wants you to do a lot of times on the bosses or on the bigger enemies is figure out their parry window and then use that against them. Uh, instead of dodging. And I think dodging is more of just getting all the way out of the way, but I found it better to run. And when I figured that out, that dodge wasn't didn't have the iframes that anything like Souls had, and it was all about pairing or just getting way the hell out of the way, the game got a lot easier for me. Um, I beat the final boss in four attempts. Um, there was one boss in particular right before that that probably took me about 10 or 11 attempts. First boss, because I didn't understand the parry thing, probably took me 12 or 13 attempts before I got it. And that's probably the most attempts I've done on any boss after that. Um, some of the mini bosses in that game are pretty hard. Um, the upgrade system is pretty cool in that game. It has... So, I played a dexterity build character, which is technique in that game. 
and you'll get a weapon and it's got two parts. It's got its blade and its handle. The handle scales with whatever you're whatever you're upgrading. So you could be upgrading strength or technique or um, arcana. I think it's called arcana or something like that. Anyways, it's magic is what it is. There's a handful of different weapons that have like ranged attacks, etc. that really use that. So you could do a build that digs into that, but I didn't really want to. Um, but like once you figure out how to parry with that game, like it becomes challenging enough to keep you engaged, but unchallenging enough that I could put my brain on autopilot and just get used to the moveset and just did really good. Like power attacks are really rewarding if you can figure that out. Um, I don't know, like it's so well designed and it's a newer studio too out of South Korea. So it's not, I thought, you know, Neowitz was going to be some weird Chinese company. It's not, it's South Korean. Um, and they do a really good job of that game and it's already got DLC planned. And when you beat the game, it literally just dumps you in a new game plus with all your stats and all your weapons. Um, which I played through the first part of new game plus and beat the first boss in the first try, <laughs> annihilated him. Um, nice, but yeah. And then it's got this whole arm system. So your left trigger is your arm. And I ended up getting this because it was a dex build. There was a, some, a weapon that scaled with my decks. So your left arm is always, it's called like a puppet arm, right? Starts you off with like a punch that you can use to stagger an enemy. So instead of parrying, you can punch him with your arm and it'll build up the stagger meter. Well, I didn't use that very long at all. Um, I got this like grappling hook essentially. So the first version of the grappling hook pulls enemy towards you and knocks them off balance so you can get a hit in or get them within distance and close the distance really quick. Second version of that pulls you to the enemy. So you can hold it longer and it'll pull you to the enemy, which is great when something's on a gap. Right. So you're walking across these thin planks and you got something that's shooting you across the planks. You can like close the distance fast. And the third version of that pulls you to them. And then you like step on your chest and jump way in the air and do a spin attack and slam down on the ground. And that outright kills a lot of enemies. Um, but I found towards the end of the game, there was some stuff that was used to be a mini boss that was like a regular just enemy that was out in the wild that I could just like parry and just make them eat shit and die. Um, it's a really good game. Um, I highly recommend it. It runs super smooth. It probably runs on everything. I know I'm running on a 4090, but looking at like reviews on performance reviews and stuff like that, it's the best non-Souls game I've played besides Dark Souls. I like it better than Neo. Um, Liza P is excellent. And if you are into that kind of thing, it's worth it. It's on Game Pass as of like what, last week? Yep. Or two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Oh, wait, no, no. It's been on Game Pass this whole time. That's how I've been playing it. Yeah, it it's super good. Um, Remnant 2 is now on Game Pass as well, if you haven't played that. So, you've got plenty if you want to play anything other than Starfield, Jason. You've got Remnant 2, which is excellent. Me and Rusty have sunk our teeth into that. Um, you've got Liza P, which is excellent if you're into action RPG. Both of those are. They're just different flavors of it. Um... But yeah, I did try out uh, Lords of the Fallen. Um, it really, I want to say, I tried out, okay, I want to back up. Tried out Robocop, actually. Um, that really? doesn't, yeah, it doesn't like my system. No matter what settings I have, it crashes after I beat the tutorial. I refunded it. Um, wow. Looks great. Has all the right aesthetic. I want to play it, but if it's going to crash like that, I wasn't going to waste 35 bones. 
Um, I got it as part of the Epic sale. They give you like a steep discount. So I think after all of the discounts, I got it at like $29. Um, but it just kept crashing over and over and over again. And the thing about the Epic store discounts, they run their sale about even with Steam sales during the holidays is the coupons apply towards any game in the library. So it doesn't, it doesn't have to be specifically marked down. Everything's marked down the same price. And I feel like Epic's just eating the cost. So ended up, they have a pretty easy refund system too. I'm not the guy that's like Epic versus Steam, except that Steam has a way better interface. Um, but you know, I put an hour and a half into it and I was like, this ain't working. I better get my refund before it's too late. So that's what I did and marked down technical issue and looked through. I tried to fix it multiple times, couldn't get it to run. Everything about that game feels right, but crashes like a motherfucker, man. On my system, it just does not like whatever I'm putting through it. I've tried it with DLSS on and off, frame generation on and off. Tried lowering my resolution to 1080. It just crashes when it goes into a um, like a cutscene. That's just what it is, and then it won't let me progress past the cutscene. That's so, really weird. But yeah, everything feels like it was done with love so far with that game. It actually wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But I was just looking for something different what I was playing. Um, got Lords of the Fallen as well. That was on a pretty steep discount. You know, it was down from like 60 bucks to 30-something when I got it. Um, there's some design decisions of that game I just don't like that much. It feels like in certain areas you got a rest point every five feet and you can rest and relax and get your stuff back. And then sometimes it feels like, I didn't know it at the time, but like there is a way that got me back to the main hub through this area I was exploring. And it was a long haul all the way over to there, like where I had two levels worth of currency before I got to where I could checkpoint. And it felt like forever. And I just didn't realize that I connected back to the main hub. And I think I saved up, like, through deaths in that area, like, eight or nine levels worth of stuff going over and over and over again through a certain area to, to try to find where the next checkpoint was because it's so long. The pacing's just weird in that game. Um, the weapons don't have enough variety. So, like, a spear is always a spear. Or a two-handed sword is always a two-handed sword. The only thing that changes is the look of the weapon. It doesn't change the animation or the moveset or anything like that very much. Um, it does have range weapons with everybody. Everybody's either got magic or a bow or a rock or a grenade or something, which I think that's pretty neat. Um, runs a little bit herky-jerky even on my machine, and I've seen a lot of complaints about performance. I'm kind of in a mindset of I know this isn't going to be game of the year material at all. Um, it's not nearly as good as Liza P. I know it's way longer than Liza P. It's just not as tightly tuned performance-wise or otherwise. Um, it looks cool, right? A lot of aspects. It, it's firmly a B tier game, where Liza P, despite all odds, is firmly a triple A game, um, or at least a double A game. So to me, it's kind of like I'm going to put that off. And here's a kicker: the thing I actually got into was Seven Days to Die. Really, end of the year, and that's what I go back to. I haven't played it in two years. Um, I started playing it in October, trying to get into the spooky mood. And they changed something fundamental with this game a lot. So used to, probably the last time you played it, Jason, you leveled up doing things. Yep. 
And so you could hang out at your base and build and just level up that way. Um, they've changed the way it, that all progresses quite a bit. So what it wants you to do is it wants you to pick up quests from traders. And those traders direct you to locations to explore. And those locations are where you get skill books. And then you put points into your... So after you get so many skill points, then you, you get the ability to level a skill up. So I decided I'm focusing on spears. That's what I'm doing. And I've got some points and some of the other things to get myself well-rounded. But for combat, that's what I'm focusing on. And it gates your progress that way. So you always go back to the quest hub, to the trader. And he will, with some of his rewards, will help you unlock the next tier in something. So, for instance, I completed all level one quests for a guy. And my reward was a bunch of skill books and a bicycle. And having a bicycle means you like triple your range with your character before it gets dark. And that's a big deal. Um, every time you do a quest in a, in a location, it resets the point of interest. So typically it's like seven days before location resets its loot and everything. Um, every time you go do a quest for the trader, it instantly, when you click on the quest marker at the location, resets the condition of the house, all the loot, everything. So you can do that and re-loot something that you've already done. So you could go through a bunch of locations and loot stuff and then go to the trader, and then when he gives you a quest for that location, it'll reset the loot table, um, which is randomized. It's not exactly the same every time. There are certain things that gives, like if you go to a cement mixer, you're always going to get a forge book, basically, um, out of the cement mixer. Most of the uh, mailboxes have skill books in it, like skill magazines, which kind of makes sense, right? Um, all of the different locations have a tier level, so it'll be like, Tiers like one through five, right? And then modifiers based on the biome. So if you're in the wasteland biome, like it's an extra two levels or three levels of skulls, which means you can get some crazy stuff there, even on a tier one. And then if you're like in the burnt biome, it adds an extra half skull. If you're in the forest biome, there's no skulls. If you're in the desert, it's like an extra skull or two or something like that. And that's so on and so forth. And that's how it works. But you're mostly looking for the skill books in your near location to level up. And then you're breaking down some of the items that you need, but not everything. And I'm getting the only resources that I'm mining or resource grinding for are rocks, soil, uh, rocks, clay, and wood. And finally built myself a horde base, which is essentially like a, a platform that enemies funnel straight to my um, to an area where I can stab through some bars. And it's high enough that the zombies don't come up there. And then my basic base was a garage that I tore the roof out of. And if you cut the ladder off on the second rung, so if you place it two blocks or three blocks high, the zombies can't get up there. So initially, I'd have zombies like Roman below me in my base inside the attic of a garage. Um, and then eventually I've reinforced that a lot so that they don't do that, but I'm still basically in the attic with my stoves and my furnace and all that stuff. Um, water collection is harder than it used to. If you remember, you used to be able to make glass jars that you go to the lake or a water source, you'd fill it up and you put it in your stove and boil out the impurities. That's completely gone. Um, you don't recycle glass jars after you use them. You just consume them. You get water through a, 
um, dew collector, which is, it looks like a water can with a big tarp on top of it with a funnel. And depending on the wetness of the day is how much you collect with the dew collector. And it will give you like three bottles of water every day. So I've got two of them on my roof. Um, you can get water out of toilets um, a lot of times. So like that's how I started the game. But like water was a real big deal until like about day 13 or 14. And now it's no issue. I've got so much water. It's crazy. Um, I haven't gone as far as farming. Like I'm thinking about that next. I put myself on a... Uh, plot that's got a big fenced in area so i might start a farm there soon um i don't know like it feels really good right now um it feels exceptionally good i'm not playing it on nightmare or anything i'm playing it on like the normal difficulty or whatever but the go out and explore pois to get your level ups and then just kind of prepare the last day and a half for the horde night has been pretty stress-free and you get a lot of xp from killing all the zombies like i haven't laid a single trap all i'm doing is i'm using a double barrel shotgun and a spear um and a bow and arrow and that's what i'm using for my horde clear because they can only like pile up up to like two or three at a time in front of my base in front of my bars that i just put my stick out of um yeah um seven days to die is like there's no game out there like that i wish there was literally no other game out there like it it's it's so good. I mean, I well, guess it's, it's it has changed so much over the years. It's the it's the longest running alpha of any game for sure, except for uh, Star Citizen. Right, but it is the one game. I think it is uniquely the one game out there that has seen the most innovation and the most positive updates throughout its life i mean they went and changed the entire engine they had it built in in the span of like two years at one point that is crazy yeah they they changed the engine if i've been playing it since like alpha five or something right when i first played it it was like a step it was like having a mod for minecraft like that's how that's how basic it looked. It's better looking than Minecraft. It was a voxel based game without the like sixteen bit textures that Minecraft has, right? Um, with more like hand drawn textures, essentially. And then it got revamped and now they're using like four K textures or something, because like some of the textures look exceptional. They're still using a couple of shit textures. The food textures look weird. Look like you're eating a piece of leather or something. But the uh textures on like your spear and everything else like it's a weird looking game because it's a voxel game right so like your hands look a little bit too shiny but like the your spear looks really good your shotgun looks pretty damn good like it's almost like current level and then you go to like break something and then it looks like old school again because it's built on a voxel that's wrapped in a high-res texture so like everything's basically built out of big squares right that are wrapped in well-made textures but i was trying to like figure out what game would be my zen while i'm just doing things i'm out wilding right um talking on the phone or talking on discord or something else like that is super relaxing for that and i can put my brain on autopilot for what i need to do and uh gotten really good at zombie clearing and uh the points of interest are great like there's so many more points of interest in the base map than there ever used to be that it's crazy 
Um, lots of them where you like enter through the basement, work your way up through the top. Like they're little mini dungeons is what they are. And they're all pretty neat. They all have like an egg, a way to exit out of it when you're done. So like one of the things they do is there's like a, like usually the front door's locked and like the dungeon will end at the front door or the back door or something like that. And you click, it'll, it'll say like activate key ring or something like that. So on the door next to it, there's the keys, right? So you click on that and the door unlocks and opens up and that's your way back out. But you might enter through the garage. You might enter through a hole in the roof. You might enter through a, uh, through a cellar, right? You might have to climb up a stack of debris to get up into the roof or something like that or get into a window um, or whatever it may be. And you can like just like because it's a voxel based game, right? Like take your axe and like carve a hole in the side of the wall and get in that way. But you also might do that and run into a room full of like eight zombies and like just get your get your ass handed to you. So usually it's a little easier to just follow the the direction of the POI and then you also end up getting loot. Um, and the loot's kind of tiered off the game level and your current level for that current thing. So like, I'm not going to find a better spear than like level three right now. Cause that's what I am in spears. Um, yeah. working my way up to the iron spear and then I'll do it like a flaming iron spear or something like that. Or I don't know. I like the melee combat quite a bit. Um, but I also like the shotgun. The shotgun's got good spread. Um, and kill like, it's like a shotgun should be, right? Like, I can kill, if I'm at head level, and I add the duckbill mod, which gives it a wide, narrow spray, I could decapitate, like, five zombies in a row if they're right up on me. Which is perfect, because I'm always in melee range. Just pull up the, the <laughs> sawed-off, double-barreled double shotgun and wipe out a group in front of me and finish them off with a spear, you know? Um, It's just cool. I wish there was another game out there like it. There's just not. Um, I highly recommend it. I I wish more people would play it. It's it's not stale. I, I'm playing it again after 700 hours. I'm like, this is a different way to play this game, and I like it. I mean, I have plenty of storage now. I probably uh, I'll probably reinstall it. It's been a good. It's very easy to play solo. Like, just gosh, it's probably been four years since I actually played it. I'll give you a quick tip. So like one thing, so building your horde base, this has been the most effective and like cobblestone's easy to get right now, right? Cobblestone right now is rocks plus clay soil, which you get by using your shovel anywhere uh, in any kind of dirt. And you can build it inside of your inventory. But if you, uh, it's like eight tiles long, right? And then I built a stairway to the top. And then I built a bridge that was a single block that's eight tiles long. So eight tile floor that's built into a, a narrow staircase. And then eight tiles across for a walkway. And then another eight tiles that's a completely reinforced three wide square thing that's a platform. Or no, it's five wide. And eventually I've reinforced it. It took me till night 14 to get it there. But completely reinforced it with... Uh, Right now it's cobblestone, but the next step is I, I'm working on my concrete tier so I can redo it with concrete. And then it's got, I made a doorway, so like a space that would be normally a doorway. And instead of putting a door there, I put a, a set of iron bars on the top and bottom. And then I built a narrow walkway that's like two cubes deep inside that little pit that I made. And I've got um, trap door, iron trap doors 
So if they break through the first level, I can do that. So far, they haven't broke through the first level. Well, they broke through the bottom part of it, and I had zombies crawling through. And then I had my hatch trap to flip up right in front of them so that they couldn't get any further. But um, And then the top, instead of having a roof, except for a little area so I don't get wet, um, I've got that all um, currently just cobblestone bars. I know that seems weird. It's just the next level up. It's wood and then cobblestone. Um, so if I get vultures, I can take my spear and just stab them through the uh, through the bars. And that's my hard base. And I've got a little cabinet in there that's just filled full of medicine and extra ammo if I need it. Um, it took me about two in-game days to build it. And then just got it mostly reinforced with cobblestone for my first horde, which I did that. And then second way for night 14, um, I reinforced the rest of it with cobblestone and then changed my bars from cobblestone to iron bars. And uh, survived it just fine. Um, and you know when you're done because, you know, everything's done spawning and you don't have zombies for a couple minutes. You're like, okay, I'm good. I'll go collect all the loot they dropped. And go sort it at your base, cook some, cook yourself some breakfast, and go back to questing. Um, it's just fun. I think at some point, like, I want to, you don't progress if you don't do the quest or you don't explore points of interest. So, like, at a certain point, I might, you know, take one of these points of interest and turn it into a castle or a fortress. Um, I've liked the questing system, so I've kind of got the bare minimum going on. I've got a a base that's, like I said, a reinforced garage where I live in the attic most of the time. Um, and that's where I've got all my storage and my bed and my campfires and all that other stuff. Um, but yeah, Seven Days to Die is really good right now. Um, I, again, thought it was going to suck because I couldn't level up just being out in the middle of nowhere and doing no questing. And then I was watching a tutorial of like getting started in Alpha 22.2 or 21.2 or whatever. Yes, 21.2. And uh, that's what they're saying. Like the whole game's changed. It's all about questing and point point of interest discovery. It's like, oh, that makes sense. And getting your bicycle so you can move around, and then eventually getting it to a vehicle so you can move around further. So, highly recommend it, my dudes. Nice. Well, I've talked a lot. Do you have anything to add? Before we jump I into wish news, I did, but. Uh... But I really haven't uh, played a whole lot. So I think uh, we're good to take a break, gather up some news, refill our drinks, and get going. All right, y'all. We'll be back. I uh, feel like my dog, like Lola the mascot. I've pooped and done a couple laps. I've drank too much of this energy drink that will not be named, uh, where the flavor is uh, Delish Strawberry Kiss. And if you look that up, you'll figure out the name, but we're not sponsored. Um, but, you know, it's almost 9 o'clock and I'm drinking. I'm halfway through an energy drink. We'll say, though, I don't know about you, Jason, but I had two Thanksgivings. I had a Thanksgiving on Thursday. And then I did a Friendsgiving that you weren't able to attend on Sunday of last week. And in between two days, and I know part of this is water weight, and I shouldn't worry too much, um, I gained 11 pounds. Um, I have been on a Spartan diet since Monday. 
So like we, I smoked a turkey, Trent smoked a ham. Um, I made smoked green bean casserole. And if you don't like green bean casserole, shame on you. It's literally, it was literally real mushrooms, cream, you know, French cut green beans, caramelized onions, plus the French, the uh, French fried onions and a whole pound and a half of thick cut bacon that I cooked ahead of time. We, I mixed it together and uh, threw it in the smoker for an hour and a half. And holy shit, was it all gone. Like there was nothing left. And this is people that say they don't like green bean casserole. We got Crystal, my Trent's girlfriend, made uh, cheesy mashed potatoes that were just loaded. Um, I had three, two pies. John brought these like little mini donuts from someplace that's like crack. Like we cleared the whole thing before we even started dinner. Um, I ate for three hours straight between plates of food and pies um, and got very full. I drank very little, but I ate a lot. And when I got in the scale the next morning, I said I had four pieces of pie and some uh, sides left over in the fridge, and I just threw it all away. I was like, this is what discipline looks like. <laughs> I'm up 11 pounds. I got to do something about this. And I don't know. Did, did you check the scale after your, your feasting, Jason? No, and I had like three. I had like a Thanksgiving breakfast and like two different dinners. What's a Thanksgiving breakfast? Over that period. Well, my parents had to be out be out of town um like midday Thanksgiving day. So you had so, breakfast food that was Thanksgiving or So I literally just like went all out with the like homemade biscuits, gravy, all the eggs, bacon and sausage like So you just had an exorbitant yeah. breakfast extremely exorbitant um yeah so i don't i don't even want to know should have made that bacon that's dipped in pancake batter or uh i thought about it chicken fried bacon i've been thinking about that too i i thought about just taking the cooked bacon and dipping it in batter yeah that seems like it would work. It does, but at the same time, um, you know, I wasn't too up for experimenting when it already basically taken me like two hours to do breakfast. Like I did the biscuits the, the night before, not cooking them, but like making the dough and stuff. This is a um, slight sidebar, but is it kind of weird that most of us that are on this show regularly all cook pretty pretty damn decently? Like, I Trent's mean, a pretty good cook. You're a pretty good cook. Rusty's a pretty good cook. I'm a pretty good cook. And then, you know, we had Holly on the show, and she was not a good cook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Casey's a pretty good cook. Like, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, but, I mean... We also too like um my mom's side of the family we're all we're all good cooks, right? Your your family, obviously, especially on your on your mom's side, 
Well, I will say mom just knows really how to make Mexican cook with the with the Mexican food, right? Like just my mom's gotten better at at regular homegrown American style cuisine, but um, she definitely excels at the Mexican food. She has the best enchiladas I've ever had in my entire life, and nobody's going to beat them. I still can't beat them. Her enchiladas are top tier. Yeah, and so are her tamales. And, you know, and some of that does. No matter how much you don't think think it does, uh, you know, when you grow up around it, and especially if you're helping with it, like I did growing up, like I know Rusty did growing up. I didn't really. You know, a, a lot of that just ends up coming to you when you start having to do it yourself. Yes and um, no. I was an awful cook all the way up till about 10 years ago. Um, what changed? So I was a very lazy cook, right? My mom cooked for me um, growing up, but I didn't pay enough attention. Dad used the smoker. I didn't pay enough attention. Um, when I first moved out, I was eating like hamburgers and hot dogs and ramen, right? And yellow cheese tacos because it was easy. And I never, so I just eat out a lot, which is why I got really fat um, after a while. And then when I started keto about 10 years ago, I've been doing it off and on for 10 years, trying to get down from almost twice the size as I am now. Um, I learned how to cook and cook alternate versions, but then also learned how to make the real versions of stuff. So like learning how to make things like chicken fried steak and good mashed potatoes and gravy. And then all of my mom's Mexican food res uh, recipes, right? Like I still was able to make tamales, but they're really intensive because I worked in a tamale restaurant growing up. Yeah. And Trent's well, a good cook too. So like he'd cook something and be like, why does my stuff suck? And Trent's stuff is good. And then he showed me a few things and I got a lot better at cooking um, with Trent. And then I just picked up all those recipes and I got a smoker when I got this house. And the first year my smoke stuff was all right. Um, but by the second year, like I got really into it, right? Like, you know, you're supposed to get into one of few things. You're supposed to get into smoking meats in your 30s. Or, you know, growing pot or learning about history or something, right? And I got really into the smoking meats thing and uh, got really good at barbecuing because I, I barbecue every week. Well, it's also just building experience. Like, you know, I had, at least before, uh, you know, before I met you, I had already been um, living on my own. A mixture of living on my own, but then also uh, with my aunt to help her out, and uh, uh, and with my ex-wife. So there was a there was a very quick period there where um, I really had to hone in the the cooking skills more than breakfast, and really getting good at cooking is really about repetition. Um, you know, if you can manage to cook the same you know four or five dishes repetitively enough to get really good at those um you know you can kind of slowly branch out from there and you can get really you can get decent at at a whole lot of stuff um i tend to only ever struggle doing anything Either A, one the first time I've ever done it, um, like a new way to prepare meat or something like that. 
Yeah. Um, but then it's still generally, even if I struggle, it's still really edible. It's not like I completely kill it. It's just not as as good as, uh, you know, like the pictures for the recipe make it out to be or something like that. Yeah, my presentation still needs work, but like I know that when I cook for you guys every couple of weeks, like we don't have a lot left over usually. Oh, yeah, no, no, not at all. Um, and it's also just the learning what cuts of meat you can cook, how to cook them, um, and what cuts of meat are, are just never going to come out. Like it took me a lot of years to finally convince Crystal that no matter what you try, Eye of round steak is never good steak. I <laughs> have I of round is a is a roast at best. Right, I get it. I wouldn't you use can't, it. You can't even smoke that to use it. It is stew meat. <laughs> that is all it's good for. Yeah, it's not um it's not a great cut you know and there are certain um there's even certain types of chicken like certain types of chicken you don't bake you either you have to either grill it broil it or um slow cook it or or pressure cook it you know um all these kinds of things so you know Cooking is about adapting and repetition. That's really, that's really the crux of it. Um, but all of you got good at it because you had, you were finally in a position where you actually needed to really cook and get good. Well, and Babs was a pretty decent cook too, so that helped me out. And then my latest ex was very good at cooking, so I had to step up my game again. Yeah. So, I mean, and and you're, you're genuinely a quick study, especially, you know, with your experience with your family and in the tamale shop. You're, it doesn't take you very, very many attempts to, to get good at, at cooking something a certain way or, yeah, the, uh, the, or a certain cut of meat. The only thing I've not been happy with, with the, uh, the fried chicken sandwiches that I've been doing is I've been like, not realizing how much a single thigh turns into when you bread it and fry it. <laughs> like the uh, when the last time I did that, those were some monster sandwiches. Yep. Well, and the the only real way to uh, to really step up your fried fried chicken sandwich game would be to get a really good. A really decent tenderizing hammer and flattening out the chicken thighs so that they're the same close to the same thickness all the way throughout and then like you said just cutting them down to portion them into more sandwich sized thighs or just make them monster sandwiches nobody's complained about having the huge sandwich though no no, I love the huge sandwich, but 
anyways you know, i also i also i also just love big portions of food that that's probably my biggest weight battle is i love food yeah yeah i've i've been so spartan in my diet the last few days like i'm five days in i've walked done my walk every day but today because i was too busy and uh worked out all four days of the five-day week and i'm already down six pounds of that 10 that i gained so next oh, week wow. i'll be back to where i was and if i can keep this up through christmas more or less well i've got a whole weekend after this that i'll be out and we'll be eating like a crazy person but um I feel like I will still not gain as much. Um, but anywho, we want to talk about a little bit of news. Um, yeah. Just wanted to get that out of my system, I suppose. Um, we both got a couple of pieces. Um, something that was really interesting um, that I just kind of caught is the uh, Steam Link is on Quest for direct connection to Steam VR. So your Quest VR can Steam link over. I have not tried this. In fact, I haven't played my Quest in probably about nine months. But, and I don't know if it's Quest 3 or Quest 2, because I have a Quest 2, right? But I can tell you, I got much better results doing USB-C, uh, USB 3 to the VR versus the wireless connection to the uh, computer. Um, the wireless... It works through your router, and it goes at about 150 megabits a second, right? Whereas yeah. my USB-C, or my USB-3, my USB goes at 500, sometimes 700. And you're talking about your throughput for FPS in VR, it makes a pretty big difference. So I've got like a 20-foot, or like a yeah, 20-foot cable right now that's reinforced. That I use for VR when I do VR. So Steam Link's already been kind of iffy. I I can't I'm just worried that it doesn't work that well. But it is a cool thing. Well so the good part about that being added to the uh to the Oculus store for the Rift 2 and 3 is that if you did use Steam Link uh, to play your games wirelessly, you're not going to have to go through the Oculus software on your PC to launch the Steam VR games, which eliminates some of the processing headroom. That's or, true. Hey. You know, frees up some of the processing headroom. So uh, that could actually improve per performance by by a pretty good margin i would be interested to see oh wait i'm uh, let me backtrack this so you can use it through wi-fi through a five gigahertz commit connection or a wired connection to pc yeah and it does work on quest 2 3 or pro yep so backing that back up that is a good thing because then you're not opening the quest app on your pc and then going to your desktop you're just going straight to Steam, straight from the Quest, which is actually kind of awesome. So, 
If I get time, yeah. maybe I, I keep saying I'm going to mod Fallout 4 and play a modded Fallout 4 in VR. No, we just haven't done it yet. I'd be interested to see you test it with Beat Saber or something just to see if uh, uh, see if the performance is uh, at least playable. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's, now that I've <laughs> dug into it a little bit just to make sure, um, that is actually kind of awesome. What was some of the stories that you had? What kind of ping pong uh, here? Well, a couple, uh, couple of fairly significant, uh, uh, game pieces here. Um, Insomniac, uh, games, uh, said a while back that they're working on a new uh uh new hero title for basically in the same universe that uh their two their three Spider-Man games are in. Uh, and this one's on Wolverine. Yes. Uh, it is uh and they gave out some more details about it this week. Um so it is reportedly set to release in 2025. It will be a PlayStation exclusive to start. Um, just like most everything is nowadays, it seems like. Um, and it will be uh, focusing on Wolverine's time before he joined the X-Men. And they are promising that it will... It will... Uh, definitely be a hard r m rated tone for the game so expect a lot of lot of action a lot of lot of probably chopping people into tiny little pieces um which is which is for me fairly exciting cuz to date the best representation we've had for for Wolverine in a video game was way back. Um, it was on 360 in the, in the late 2000s. It was a yeah, it was on 360. I played the hell out of that. 360 and PS3 game, um, uh, Wolverine Origins. That game was awesome, and that game was that game was great. But obviously, at the time, there was only so much they could do with it, right? So. I've thought about replaying that game. Um, I still have a copy. Considering Insomniac's, Insomniac's track record with how good Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 are, uh, I'm, re I'm really excited about that. I am too. Um, and then in other news, uh, in an interview this week, uh, Capcom confirmed that they will be the with the success of the Resident Evil 4 remake, um, they will be remaking more Resident Evil games. Um, the uh, And they enjoy doing it, basically, of course, we all know it's a cash cow, right? But it is also has the benefit of allowing some of these more modern audiences, a.k.a our kids right uh to play these titles without it 
looking incredibly ancient. Like I've tried to introduce my kids to some of the really great older games, but they just can't. What? They're even more resolution snobs than I am. Well, they grew up in an era where that was the standard, right? To them, it looks old. Yeah, exactly. Um, to them, it looks older than me, even though it's not. It makes um, me wonder. I wonder if... The the only thing they're not ready to do yet, which makes sense because, I mean, they just got finished releasing Resident Evil 4 remake, um, is not to say uh, which one they're going to do next. But, I mean, considering that they've done 2, 3, and 4, um, it makes logical sense either to redo the first one um, or uh, Resident Evil 5, I would think. I seriously doubt that they touched Code Veronica. That was kind of a um, like a side hash. So, I don't know that that really only came out on the GameCube, right? So, yeah. I seriously doubt they'd do that one. But who knows? We'll see. Yeah, you're talking about graphics. And I'm like, could I redo New Vegas and play that in 2023 or the end of 2023 with improved graphics? That, uh, I wonder, like, how much it's aged with the. You know, the it's not just Dover doing the textures. The models themselves are lower poly than what we're used to, you know? I mean, yeah, no matter what you do with that game, and this is true even of Skyrim now, too, is um, no matter what you do to it, there are elements of it that are that are always going to look that much older. Um, and for the most part, it's going to be with the characters, right? Right. Um, the landscape, the buildings, etc. All of those textures are a whole lot easier to up-res and um, uh, make look better because they're just they're flat, stationary objects for the most part. Um, your creatures and characters are where it really gets uh, you know there's really a limit to exactly how good you can make them look um, so unfortunately I think you would still look at characters in New Vegas and go oh this is definitely better but it still looks 15 years old you know yeah, it's it's definitely uh, getting up there in age. Um, and you know that's really going to come down truly to an Im to an engine limitation. You know, you can't go in there and uh, unless you were to purposely uh, unless someone were to purposely go in and redo and swap all of the models. It's just not going to get much better than that. Yeah, and it's kind of sad. I'm looking at some screenshots of newer 
models for NPCs, and these look pretty good, actually. These looks excellent. Hmm. <laughs> I'm in that mode where I'm just like into comfy gaming. I'm with you there. Um. Anywho. Well, um, if you're into some horror and survival, which I kind of am, but uh, didn't know how long the Sons of the Forest was going to be in early access before I decided I might pick it up, but um, it comes out on February 26, 2024, um, almost exactly a year after it went into early access. They're focusing on fixes for what content's out there, but they're just going to focus on finishing the rest of the content for it. Um, for the 1.0 release that's coming out in February, um, it's been one of the highest one of the highest player counts in games so far on Steam over the last year. So apparently, a lot of people like it. Um, I did not beat the original Forest. It's creepy as hell, man, and it does take. It's a lot harder to play solo than you'd think. Um, the initial combat is really punishing. So. I just need to get good, like I do with these single-player RPGs. Um, or just play what I'm comfortable with, which is Seven Days to Die, apparently. Anywho, yeah, Sons of the Forest is going to be 1.0 here soon. Um, other things that are pretty neat, um, I've talked about this a long time ago, but that game, um, Pacific Drive, which is the surrealist sort of survival roguelite um, now has a release date, which is also February 22nd. So that is super neat. I am super excited to see what that game, that's something I'm more excited about than the forest. So that's probably what I'll dive into about that same time. Um, other bits of quick news that are just kind of funny. If you really want to play more Baldur's Gate, um, there's a huge patch. It's got a playable epilogue now set six months after the game ends. There's another 3,500 lines of dialogue, two no difficulty mods, and dong physics. So it's not part of the patch notes. But, um, yeah, there's uh, dong physics. So, right. yeah, the... Uh, a lot more with Baldur's Gate. They've put a lot of TLC into that. Um, there is also a new, um, a final patch for Cyberpunk that's supposed to overhaul stuff that comes out this month. It's another thing I thought about playing, but I just, I finished Cyberpunk again, another playthrough in April. And then I just had a brain freeze. I just thought about it. I just got paid today. Maybe I will buy it. Phantom Liberty's not going to go on sale. Maybe I'll buy it when that patch comes out and then play that instead of playing an old game. Even though the old game's super good. Um, Fallout, the TV show, um, is coming out in April of next year. Um, it's a very clean-looking Fallout. It's on Prime. Um, I'm obviously interested. Um, I guess we shall see what that is when it comes out. Um, I don't know. I know that Todd Howard said it's supposed to be part of canon. So I guess we'll see what's going on with that. Um, there is, if you're on Game Pass, there's so much on Game Pass right now. 
But Against the Storm is a game that me and Rusty have been talking about for a while that's really good. That's now in Game Pass, Jason. So if you're looking for a city builder, that one is very good and very different than anything you've played. Um, I would like to see that out of early access so I can rate it. Um, other quick things, which I thought was weird. So if you're on an indie devs like Steam page, you'll notice that negative reviews will sometimes get a response from somebody that's like a super indie title, right? They'll uh, respond to the comment and say, this is something we're working on, blah, blah, blah. Um, they've got some pretty snarky, funny um, things that they're – I'm going to go to some of the responses. So I think this is funny, funny in general. But so, for example, and this was posted by IGN. Somebody wrote, boring and overrated. There's a whole universe to explore filled with mostly, mostly with empty planets. I understand they have to do that to sell you on the idea that it's a whole universe, but that doesn't make the game more fun. You can land on any planet and explore the copy-pasted locations. You'll see the exact same locations from one end of the universe to the other and everywhere in between. Hodgepodge of messy slapped-together mechanics, bloated skill trees, exploring crafting and base building, an RPG, FPS, a space opera. Starfield doesn't know what it wants to be. As wide as the ocean, as deep as a puddle. You can explore everywhere, but why would you want to? Pretty harsh review. Um, this is the Bethesda response. So they have people responding to negative reviews. Greetings. Thank you for taking the time to review for Starfield. Sorry you not like landing on different planets or finding many of them empty. Some of Starfield's planets are meant to be empty by design, but that's not boring. When the astronauts went to the moon, there was nothing there. They certainly weren't bored. The intention of Starfield's exploration is to evoke a feeling of smallness in players and make you feel overwhelmed. You can continue to explore and find worlds that do have resources you need or hidden outposts to look through. Here's a link, essentially, to provide additional feedback. Um, and there's a lot of those, right? There's another one I'll just read. It says, thank you for time to leave a review for Starfield. You can fly, you can shoot, you can mine, you can loot. Starfield is an RPG with hundreds of hours of quests to complete and characters to meet. Most quests will vary on your character's skills and decisions, massively changing the outcome of your playthrough. Try creating different characters with backgrounds and characteristics that clash or opposite of your previous character. You feel you're playing a totally different game. Put points and different skills for a character you previously corrected, created, and now you're faced with completely different decisions to make and difficulties to encounter. There's so many level, la layers to Starfield that you'll find things you never knew were possible after playing for hundreds of hours. Even after completing the main story, your adventure doesn't end. You can continue to do Game Plus to keep exploring Starfield and all that's out there. Never stopped exploring Bethesda customer support. So it's a little bit like snarky and weird um, that they're doing this. It's probably because it recently dropped down to a mixed rating on Steam. Again, there are some valid criticisms, but it's hard to leave a negative review on something when you put in 150 hours. I always feel like that's silly. I spent 150 hours in this, and now I'm mad that it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, I guess it's kind of valid, right? Like, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I yeah. feel I feel like uh, there's room for improvement, but definitely got my money's worth. That's for damn sure. Um, and New I Game mean, Plus is actually super neat. Um, I will jump back in when they do a patch and very quickly finish my current New Game Plus so that I can jump into like a New Game Plus 4 or 5. Um, it is very easy to get from... You can fast track a New Game Plus so you can get to the next version of it. It's ridiculous. Um, I'm. I mean, there's 
there's always room for constructive criticism, right? But, um, I mean, you and I both feel like the game's been getting a lot of unnecessary hate. It's, it's generating clicks because there's so many people playing it. And it is confirmation fan, uh, bias for the PlayStation fanboys, too, I think. Yeah. Um, not their best game, but it's different than everything else they've done so far. So with a lot of the same things, but like I said before, like you're not even recrafting loot. It does have huge loot tables, but you're not repurposing loot like you were in all of their other games. Um, there's a lot to do, and it needs some refinement to take it from like an a pretty A-level game to an A-plus-level game. It could very easily be the best space game in the world with some very, very uh, focused tweaks on a few of the systems. And I think that's you know, it's suffering from cyberpunk issues, too. Right. So we shall see. I think it'll turn around. And I'm not just going to say because mods. Um, that's really the last of what I had on my plate. What else did you have? Uh, some other things, uh, this is a, I thought really positive one. So EA, EA over the last uh, couple years has been, uh, you know, in one way kind of playing, playing the good guy. Uh, they've been, uh, releasing a lot of accessibility features that they have patents on, uh, uh, to open source to allow outside developers to use them, um, such as uh, uh, Apex's ping feature, um, some machine learning programs to recommend optimal control configurations, uh, haptic feedback sequences, uh, oh. etc. Uh, their latest one... Uh, is a code named Iris. It's a photo sensitivity tool that automatically analyzes uh, and identifies frames that could trigger an epileptic, epileptic episode uh, for people who are sensitive to that sort of thing. Um, and uh, so they've released that open source to make it easier for developers to. Uh, identify those scenes and you know include in their feature include in uh settings for games to be able to uh turn the those tone down the lights in those scenes etc um which is uh which is a really cool feature that really EA's only had uh uh actively included in in the release of uh, uh, three titles uh, so far, so it's so it's really brand new. Uh, Madden twenty four, uh, FC twenty four, which is just new FIFA without the FIFA licensing. Boring. Uh, and, uh, WRC and one other game. So, uh, you know the fact that they're actually releasing some pro proprietary code uh, to help make development for other game developers easier is 
really kind of cool. Yeah, that um, part of it is. And I mean, you you combine that with a lot of a uh, lot of stuff that uh, uh, like Epic's included in Unreal Five. Uh, Bioware has in Frostbite, etc. Then, uh, you know, you've got some, you got some really cool accessibility stuff going on. Plus, all of the stuff that Xbox has done in recent years with controllers, um, and uh, console-specific se- settings for people with epilepsy and and other physical issues. Uh, it's pretty cool to see what the what the whole industry is doing as a whole. Um, and then the only other thing I had was a uh, upcoming uh, release slate for for Game Pass for the month of December. Um, as Justin mentioned, already out and available now is Remnant from the Ashes and Remnant Two. Uh, available on cloud console and PC. Um, also coming to to all three this month. Uh, Spirit of the North, uh, Steam World Build uh, just released today. Oh yeah, that's out. Um, I'm gonna try that. Drone, clone drone in the danger zone, uh, and Rise of the Tomb Raider. And while the iron's hot, and World War Z aftermath all come out on the fifth. Um, for people like my kids, uh, Goat Simulator Three comes out on December seventh. Uh, Against the Storm is coming just to the PC on December eighth. I don't know how you can play the controller. Um, just honest. And then uh, Ten Hearts and Far Cry Six will come out on December 12th and 14th uh, uh, respectively Um, and then uh, games leaving on the 15th are Chained Echoes Opus Magnum uh, Potion Craft and Rubber Bandits so not bad slate they're adding considering they're only taking four games away this month not bad at all. No, it's and they're making that service that service more than pays for itself, guys. If you've not tried it yet, um, if you have an Xbox or a PC, it's well worth it. Yeah, it's the price of three full price games basically a year if you're paying monthly. Um, and I usually play a lot more than three games, even though there's months where I don't play a lot on it. Like I said, I just I was playing Liza P on there, right? So. To me, it's super worth the money. Um, and, you know, if I really, really, really want to, I'll go back and buy some of those games, right? Um, but I played, the big ones I played mostly that I put the most time into was Starfield and Liza P. And I can't remember the other ones, but I know I was playing games earlier on the, on it this year. And now that you told me Steam World builds on there, I think I'm going to try that tonight. Um, after we're done podcasting and see what that's like. But there was also Dungeons 4 that's on there that I was thinking about that I just started. I like Dungeons 2 and 3 quite a bit. It's uh, essentially Dungeon Keeper, but a modern take on it. It's a little bit dumbed down, but it's pretty. It's always been a pretty fun franchise, if not a little bit dated. 
Um, it's a Calypso game. And uh, there was one of the Yakuza games on there right now that I thought about playing. Um, again, you know, just like streamlining. What do I think is going to be something worth Game of the Year discussion? I really like the Steam World stuff a lot. I really want to check that out, so I will um, before we do another podcast. In fact, by the time we get to another podcast, hopefully I'll have Alan Wake done. We'll see. I might be, be in the right groove for that. But I think it's about time to wrap up. What do you think, Jason? Yep, sounds good. Where can you find us? Find us at TiltCast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash TiltCast. Our YouTube channels, YouTube.com slash TiltCast, and search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. Find some friends of the show. You've got For the Love of Gaming. You've got BMFCast.com. It's going on like 12, 13, 14 years. Um, and TVGP.TV, the people that, one of the groups that helped us start the show. And with that, it is the end of the show. All right. Peace.